so one of the primary ways God speaks to us is through scripture. So you will need a Bible, please, to follow what I'm doing. There are Bibles through the church. Can you please make sure you're either looking at a Bible or have sight of a Bible? When you've got your Bible, we're in Galatians chapter 3, version page 1169. Page 1169. the rather sad observation of a Church of England bishop. He said, as I read my Bible, I notice that wherever St. Paul went, there was either a riot or revival. But wherever I go, they offer me a cup of tea. The difference between St. Paul And most bishops, vicars, rectors, and readers is this. We offer information. Paul offered transformation. And that's what people want. They don't just want to know what is wrong with their life. They want to know how to fix it. They want transformation. And that's what Paul brought wherever he went. He had gone to Galatia... He had preached the good news to the people there, mainly non-Jews. And they had responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified. And wonderful things had happened. The Spirit had come upon them in a tangible way. And miracles were performed in their midst. It must have been with a happy heart that Paul moved on to the next place and commended them to the love of God. But it seems as we read scripture that following Paul were a group of Christians who were called Judaizers. And what they said was this. What Paul is preaching to you, Galatians, is fine so far as it goes. But in addition to faith in Jesus you must remember that God made his promise to Abraham. And Abraham was circumcised. And his descendants were given the law, and they obeyed it. So if you want to be a true son of God, an heir of the promises, then not only do you need faith in Jesus Christ, but in addition, you must become circumcised and take upon you the Jewish law. Paul is incandescent. He is absolutely raging because some of the Galatians, it seems, have been bewitched. That's the word he used, bewitched, seduced by this message. You foolish Galatians, you blockheads, you idiots, you absolutely stupid people. How can you believe this? You before whose eyes Jesus Christ was presented almost in a public fashion as crucified. That's the good news he's saying to them. Jesus Christ crucified and nothing else. If you move from that, 
you believe another gospel, but not that there is another gospel, he says. What's going on here? Paul says, Galatians 3, verse 26, therefore you are all sons of God. The interesting thing is when Paul writes, he uses a style common in the ancient world, it's called a diatribe. As he's writing to them, Paul has in his mind an imaginary opponent. And this opponent is calling out objections. It's like a form of public debate. As Paul writes and says something, somebody at the back is waving and saying, yes, but. Paul, what about? Okay, you say that, but what about this? And so as he writes, particularly in Galatians chapter 3, you can see what Paul is saying and you can see the objections of his opponents and how he answers them. Therefore you are all sons of God. One objection that isn't mentioned by Paul because it wasn't an issue in his day but is in ours, I'd like to begin with. Some 50 years ago, I was sitting in what was then called a religious education class. And the teacher, Mr. Robertson, asked us to fill in a questionnaire. And one of the questions was this. Is everybody a son or a daughter of God? I wonder how you'd answer Is everybody a son or a daughter of God? Age 15, I put yes. And to my absolute consternation, indeed indignation, it came back marked wrong. Not everybody is a son of God. And that drove me to begin to read the Bible seriously. Who was right? Was it me or was it my RE teacher? Or read Galatians 3.26, you are all sons of God. I was right, he was wrong. But no, carry on reading. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, you don't need to be a great logician. You don't need to be a mastermind to work out that if you are a son of God through faith in Jesus Christ, if you do not have faith in Jesus Christ, you are not a son or daughter of God. You become a son or daughter through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, what I was confusing, and what many people I meet are confusing, is this. God creates everybody in love. But each one of us, deliberately of our own free will, chooses to turn our backs on God, go our own way, decide that we know better than God how our life is to be lived. And by doing so, we find, rather like Adam and Eve, that we are outside Eden, cut off from God, and not a member of his family. But the wonderful thing about Scripture is it is the story of how God does not abandon us to our fate. He does not leave us to stew in sin. The Bible is the message, not as some people think, of man's search for God. The Bible is the message of God's search for man. Like Adam and Eve, often we hide from God. 
we are embarrassed to be in his presence. And sometimes we even go so as to deny that God exists. Paul had met this attitude. Romans chapter 2, just let me summarize it for you. He says, from the wonder of creation, God's existence can be known. And from our consciences, we know the difference between right and wrong. What scripture sometimes calls the law. Deep, deep within us. We know God exists. We know the difference between right and wrong because God in his richness and his mercy enables us to know that. But what happens then? The thing that God in his goodness gives us to guide us, the law, we turn to our own purposes against God. Okay, first objection. The man at the back is waving at Paul. We are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ and through faith in him alone. And he says, well, no, 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 no. We have the law. Surely, by obeying the law, we can work our ways into God's good books. Surely, by obeying the law, we can become a son or a daughter of God. Ever done that? Ticks and crosses. You look at your life and you think, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's fine. And I did that. That's really good. And then you think, hmm, little cross there. Or maybe, well, let's just forget that. And at the end of the day, you add up. And miraculously, the number of ticks in that column always vastly outweighs the number of crosses in the other. And you say, really, I'm a very nice person. I'm a really worthy person. And in truth, God ought to be kind to me. He should be happy to have me as a son or a daughter in his family. You see, it hurts our pride that we can contribute nothing to our salvation. It's not about what we do. It's about what God has done for us. So look at Galatians chapter 3 and you'll see what Paul is saying. Verse 21, look at the second part of verse 21. Chapter 3, Paul says this, For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. In other words, a right relationship, membership of God's family, would certainly have come by the law if this had been the case. But Scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. So that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. So what Paul is saying to the first objection is, look, no one can work their passage You can never be right with God through your own efforts. That is like running in treacle. It's like somebody caught in quicksand. The more they struggle, the more you strive, the more you work, the worse your situation becomes. What the law can give is knowledge of the problem. 
What it cannot give is the solution to it. So your man at the back again, waving at Paul. Okay, Paul, if you're saying that the law effectively is useless, why on earth did God give it? What is the point of the law? And Paul answers that. Verse 23. Before this faith, that's faith in Jesus came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. Now this is the key. Verse 24. So the law was put in charge. We were under the supervision of the law. We were, the law was a guardian to us. Different translations. So the in charge to lead us to Christ. There's a lovely, lovely word picture behind this. We don't have them in the modern world. In the ancient world, there were people called pedagogues. And a pedagogue was a slave or maybe a free man whose sole duty was to bring up the boys of a wealthy household. He was with them at their play He went with them to and from school. He made sure that their conduct and their behaviour was worthy of the honour of the family to which they belonged. That was his sole task. Until the great day came when a boy became a man. And when the boy became a man, the pedagogue was no longer needed. All that he had taught was still needed. But now it was internalized. Now it should come from the man rather than be imposed from the outside. Can you see? That's what Paul is saying the law did. The law was like a pedagogue. It educated, it corrected us, it trained us the great day came. What was the great day? The great day was the coming of Jesus Christ. The pedagogue is interim. The pedagogue has a temporary assignment. Though what he teaches continues to have value. That's what Paul says of the law. The law was a temporary assignment, though what it taught continues to have value in our lives today. But now the great day has come. Jesus Christ has come. Do you remember, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was portrayed as crucified? That's the gospel. Because the gospel talks about the wonderful exchange. Jesus, who has no sin, takes on himself my sin. He takes the penalty for the way I have continually offended against God. And in a wonderful exchange, having taken my sin, he gives to me his righteousness, his right standing with God. That's the gospel, this wonderful exchange. How do we become sons? We become sons in the 
son. We're not by nature sons and daughters of God. We become sons and daughters of God through faith in the Son, through faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. So the first objection is, can't I just obey the law and become a son and daughter of God? No. What was the point of the law then? The point of the law was as a pedagogue to bring us to Christ. But now the great day has come and through faith in Jesus Christ we can be a member of his family. One final objection then. Look, if you will, at verse 29. If you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. You see, the final was this. God's promise, it's Genesis chapter 12, God's promise is made to Abraham. And the people who came to Galatia after Paul said, and his descendants. In other words, those who are physically members of the Jewish race. And you need to be physically members of the Jewish race. No, no, says Paul. Galatians chapter 3, the promise was made to Abraham and his seed. Paul emphasized that, seed, singular. And the seed is Christ. Christ is the descendant, the seed, the promised one, of Abraham. And so if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are a true member of God's spiritual and eternal family. Because the promise is made to Abraham's descendants in Christ. That's what Paul says. Can you see the gospel? Can you see the good news? By nature, each one of us has gone off on his or her own way. God has come looking for us. And in Abraham has made a promise that we can all be brought back into his family. And that promise comes to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. By his death, he takes our sin upon himself and he gives us his right standing with God. We are sons in the Son. Final objection. Surely this is just Abraham's physical descendants. No, it's everybody, man and woman, slave and free, Jew and Gentile. The only requirement is faith in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. People sometimes give you the impression that faith is a very difficult thing. It isn't. Let me end with a story. Harry Houdini was a very famous escapologist in the last century. It seemed he could escape from any number of handcuffs, manacles, police cells. He did it constantly, he did it repeatedly, and he always managed to escape, except for one time. 
And this is a true story. On this occasion, Harry Houdini, in his street clothes, was locked in the prison cell, or was placed in the prison cell, doors locked. He, when he was alone, took a thin piece of wire out his belt, and for two hours worked at that lock with all his skill and all his expertise built up over years. And after two hours, he had to admit defeat. He could not unpick this lock. Why? Because it had never been locked in the first place. All he needed to do was turn the handle, push the door, and walk through. That's faith. Doesn't need fantastic pilgrimages. It doesn't need days of prayer and fasting. It just needs a belief in what Jesus Christ has done for you. And are willing to put your total trust in that and in that alone. If you've never done that, can I say to you this morning, the door just needs to be turned and pushed. You can move from being a slave to sin to a son or daughter of God by that simple action. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, forgive us for the times that we have read your word just as information when you give it to transform our lives. Thank you for the exchange that took place on the cross. Thank you that in your son we can become sons and daughters in your family. Lord, help us now in faith in Jesus just to push the door that is open, to confess our faith in him, and to claim our rightful heritage, which you offer us as sons and daughters in your family. We ask this in Jesus' name.